welcome to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, Chicago Bears super fan, and you know, honestly, I think this means he's a Justin Fields fan, Bo Chisholm. Bo, how's it going tonight? Well, let's make a correction there. 12-year-old Bo Chisholm is a massive Brian Urlacher Chicago Bears fan. 2023 Bo Chisholm can't tell you who who the coach of the Bears is. So let's make that's let's amend that that introduction of there a little bit there, big guy. How's that sound? You know, I I have memories of us sitting, I don't know if it was a pizza pipeline or a pizza perfection. I know we had just got done. Was something Boy Scouts related, um, but we were fighting about football teams, and you just you just heavily defended the Bears, heavily defended. Did your did your fandom end when Rex Grossman uh, choked in the Super Bowl? Is that what happened? A decent chance that that's that's when that occurred. Yes, um, but uh, yes, I was a big Bears fan at one point. It's a bear when you're a kid. Bears are awesome. Bears are big and tough. Bears can beat anything. So like. That's why. Is that a problem with that? Yes, I have a big problem. I think, you know, you just, you need to become a Seahawks fan. You live in Seattle. You know, you, you like the Mariners. They're right next door. Come on now. Hmm. I, at the current time, my, my quota, my, I filled my cap of sports teams for the current time. So I'm. I'm, no, I'm no, don't, don't say now. don't say that. I feel like if you celebrate a few Blue Fridays, they do that at your work, right? Celebrate Blue Friday. Maybe you celebrate a couple of those. You know, you might become a Seahawks fan. What what events occur on Blue Fridays? What what special things happen on Blue Fridays? Can you can you elaborate? Can you describe? Can you? We wear jerseys. We 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 show out for the Seahawks fandom. I'm sure there's something going on down near the the uh, stadium. Probably at Elysium, you know, sitting there right next to, uh, you know, to, well, it's called Lumen Field now, not Quest, but, you know, there's probably something going on down there. You just, just go down and celebrate. Hmm. You know, I think I'm going to pass right now. I just don't think it's, just don't think it's a good use of my time. <sighs> okay. You said it was full. What, what happens when the Supersonics come back? Are you going to, you gonna add them to your fandom? I mean, potentially, potentially, depending on who's on the team and all that. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I might give them a chance. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Well, you did give a crack and the crack and a chance. So maybe, maybe you know, you can one of these days give the Seahawks a chance. We'll see. I'll work on that. I'll work on that. Hmm. <laughs> You will try. I'll, I'll give I, you a shot. I'll give you one shot. How does that sound? Sometime in the know, future. I'm over there next month. I'll, I'll, I'll give it the old college try. So. Okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Before we get into it, I want to thank you guys for coming back and listening to our podcast. Um, returning listeners, uh, we are making very positive steps. Uh, we see you out there. We see you in different states, in different countries listening to us. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, both Bo and I just want to express our gratitude um, to all our, our returning listeners. New listeners, welcome to Forks Down. You know, hopefully uh, this is your new home for some Mariners baseball talk. Um, you know, uh, 
maybe a little bit of Bo and I's banter will uh, will entertain you. If not, well, you know, I'm usually the annoying one. So, <laughs> um, anyways, sounds about uh, right. Sounds about right. That that I just talk. I talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. So. <laughs> Um, if you haven't already, go hit up our uh, social media pages. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, searching Forks Down Podcast. Um, if you uh, want to also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening apps, um, that'll notify you when we drop new episodes on Tuesdays. Um, you know, so do that. Whether it's on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Apple, or uh, I already said Apple, Amazon Music. We're on there, so uh, definitely hit like or subscribe. And you know, one thing we're I'm just throwing out a little a little teaser here. Uh, Bo and I've got something a little bit bigger in the works. Something that uh, you know it's going to take a little bit of time to work on. So that's the teaser. Stick around; we'll we'll tell you what it is soon, and uh, hopefully, you guys will enjoy it. So, Bo, um, you know, not a lot of uh, not a lot of noise this week. Um, not you know not just the Mariners but in the MLB as a whole, um, you know there was one big trade, and then uh, another thing that announced. But let's let's start with the trade. Um, you know, a guy that we thought the Mariners might be pursuing is actually going to a different team now. Um, what what can you tell us about that? Uh, sure thing. So Luis Arise uh, is going to the Miami Marlins in a trade that sent a. Uh, a former Mariner, uh, Pablo Lopez, um, back to the Twins. This was a deal that um, <clears throat> we've talked before about the Twins needing pitching and the Twins needing um, to add, uh, you know, additional pitcher here and there. And um, you know, they made out, went out and made out the deal for to get Luis. They did what traded, you know, kind of best from a standpoint of strength to get Luis a rise in their system and could try to trade him for pitching, which is exactly what the Twins really needed. And mm-hmm. um, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Twins. I feel like the Twins came out on top in this deal. They also got a prospect mm-hmm. out of it as well. Um, they really bolstered that rotation, and um, I. Uh, Man, I think it fits this trend that I think maybe it's just because we've been seeing this so much from the AL perspective and the Mariner perspective this offseason. But I feel like the AL just continues to just get stronger, man. I just feel like mm-hmm. the AL just continuing to build up at this point. And um, uh, yeah, it makes it. I mean, as a Mariner fan, you know, we're going to talk about the things that could go wrong for us this year. And I think one of the things that could go wrong for us is just like everybody else has gotten better, right? And mm-hmm. this is just another case of, um, you know, the, these teams that we might be in a wild card contention spot with um, are really starting to just kind of add up the players now. So I think that's probably the big takeaway for me for from the Mariners' perspective on this trade. Yep, yep. Pablo Lopez is is no slouch. Um, you know, really, he was probably the second best put pitcher on the the Marlins this year. He's going to the Twins, probably going to be their number one. And then Arias, you know, he was a very, very consistent contact hitter. I think he led the league or was at least in the top three in, in average this year. Was an all-star. Um, <clears throat> I was kind of irritated with him because um, he did play a lot of first, but he kind of bounced around the infield. And when he got elected to the all-star game, he got elected as the first baseman, which kind of knocked Ty France down um, to where he had to get elected uh, after the fact. So good riddance. I'm glad he's on the Marlins. Um, but I, I, 
I'm with you, Bill. I think the Twins probably won this one. Um, you know, Pablo Lopez, they're getting a number, at least a number two. You know, he'll probably slot in at number one for the Twins or, you know, as the season progresses. And I think that does make the Twins a little bit closer. I don't think it moves the needle as much as we think it will, you know, um, you know, because we're, you said we're going to talk about what if it all goes wrong for the Mariners. I mean, there's definitely a possibility that, you know, Pablo Lopez regresses. You know, he's kind of been on an upward trend, um, you know, for, I would say, a decent team. I, I mean, the Marlins aren't anything special. I, I don't think he's going to anything that's necessarily greater. You know, they've got Buxton, but who knows if he can stay healthy. They got Correa, but, you know, what's going to happen with him? <laughs> like, you know, with all the all the struggles this year. So it's just that it's a trade that we should definitely sit there and watch. You know, give it a couple months, see how it plays out. Um, you know, we, we could say in a couple months, oh, the Marlins won the trade when Arias is hitting 320 and helping the uh, Marlins to stay in the wild card race. So, yeah, exactly. And um, it's, uh, it's look, I mean, I, I think the Marlins are going to be a, still a fun team to watch this year. Um, so there's that element to it. Uh, I, I kind of like that Marlins team. They might not have a lot of big names in there, but they'll be fun to watch if you're not a fan of AL baseball or anything like that. But um, yeah, the Twins are Twins are getting interesting and um, yep. only getting better. Yep. Yep. I don't know. The Marlins have always been like probably my favorite NL team. You know, I just I like them being an expansion team, one of the newest teams in the league, and being able to pull out two World Series and. 97 in 2020 was it 2003 um josh beckett they won their, yeah yep. josh beckett they came in from the wild card slot so always been a favorite of mine i i hope they succeed in that nl east just because it, it makes it a lot more fun when mets fans and phillies fans are having a bad day so yeah it's gonna be a tough division gonna be a tough division should be uh should be fun to watch i really like sandy alcantara and a bunch of other people on that team so do you think that means Sandy Alcantara can be on the block if, you know, the Marlins, you know, decide they're not where they should be this year? You think Alcantara could be on the move? Uh, I doubt it. the 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 Marlins have such like a, the Marlins are chock full of young pitching, so that's another that's another note on this trade is like it just made perfect sense for like the Twins. The Twins are looking for a team that has surplus pitching. The Marlins have a lot of that, and um. Sandy Alcantara, I think in my mind is just too good to let go. I just don't know. Yeah. Kind of feels like the Felix for the Marlins at the time right now. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because a lot of people, at least that I saw um, early in the season or early in the off season when we wanted, you know, they wanted to trade for Arias. Um, we're saying, Oh, you know, certainly Marco or, or Flexen or both could get Arias <laughs> from the twins. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the asking price was high because look who they got. They got Pablo Lopez, exactly. who could be an all star, whereas Marco and Flexen, you know, kind of aren't. So, um, you know, good trade for both teams. And, you know, just puts in perspective probably how uh, how much we were dreaming at the start of this offseason, you know, thinking how much value we had with Marco and Flexen. So, yeah, I mean, realistically, like, um, to make a comp to it, um, 
you'd probably have to you'd probably have to i mean pablo lopez is only 27 years old but to make a comp to it it'd probably be logan gilbert and uh yeah probably another probably another prospect to make this trade equatable for the mariners so like Mm -hmm. i mean that's uh, that's a non-starter for most mariner fans so that's to to make it on the same level so think about it that way uh, the other big news actually just came out today on Monday, and uh, I don't know if you were in the contingent of Mariners fans kind of celebrating this. Uh, Artie Marino, the owner of the Angels, they were uh, pursuing um, you know, exploratory options to potentially sell the Angels, and it just got announced today that they are no, no longer pursuing a sale. And I think we can all uh, stand up and rejoice over this because... I think that means that the angels are going to be in the doghouse for a few years longer. I'm in the same boat. Uh, already. It's just been kind of a black hole for the angels. The, these last, uh, select last decade or so, right. Even with Mike Trout and bringing on Shohei Otani and the whole works, it's been a, it's been a, yeah, it's been a black hole and already has been kind of behind a lot of that of, um, you know, already kind of brought on Josh Hamilton in a couple respects or, you know, it was mentioned that like, Oh, the deal kind of went through already to get Josh Hamilton there. And, um, you know, he just made some, I think bad decisions and he just hasn't ran the team very great. And I think the, a lot of angels fans and a lot of MLB fans mine. So, um, maybe that's not great for, if you're an angels fan or like, mm-hmm. um, maybe an angels player. So maybe you're down on that. I think for a competitive standpoint, I think it's great for the Mariners. Um, I'm curious from, I don't think we have, I don't think we are ever going to contend for Shoei Otani, but I'm curious what they're going to do now with that. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, the angels are now have the longest, I think they're tied for, I can't remember with who, with who, but I think they are with with Detroit Detroit for the longest playoff streak, um, playoff drought now. Um, and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just don't know if I see that changing at this point. If I mean, I I think they've had a pretty good off season. I think they got a couple of good pieces, but, um, I think with still the people at the top that kind of got them into this hole, I just don't really see that changing. I guess that's where I'm coming with it. What about you? You know how I've always looked at it. They have two of the best players in baseball. You know, you should build, be building this team around these two players, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. And they've tried to build it. It hasn't worked. So what do they do? They fire their manager. They fire their GM. They come back, you know, bring in a new coach, bring in a new GM. Still can't produce wins. You know, they, they went from Socia to Madden, Madden now to Nevin. You know, they, they went through a couple cycles. So how much more are you going to say, oh, this is the player's fault or, oh, it's the manager's fault and not look at who's at the top? You know, I think I think Arter Moreno has a little bit more pull than we realize. He, I wouldn't say he's like the Jerry Jones of the MLB. I would feel that was probably more like George Steinbrenner when he was with the Yankees. Um, but he, he does have a little bit of pull in that front office and can sway, you know, whoever the GM is, you know, to, to make or break deals. So um, how long will angels fans or angels players um, keep accepting that before, you know, they say, Hey, like maybe we need to make a change at the top to, to get out of this hole. I mean, the Mariners last year finally broke their streak. Now it's the Angels and the Detroit. They have not been in the playoffs for I think it was eight years now. Yep. You know, and that's uh, 
that's not acceptable, you know, especially for a team in California that has two of the best players in the major league, if not the two best players in major league baseball right now. So, um, again, I'm rejoicing as a Mariners fan. Cause I, I really think that just means trouble for the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim, which, you know, one of these days we need to talk about how stupid of a name that is. Um, well, they're but, just the uh, Los Angeles Angels now. They they dropped the LAAA in whatever 2015 or something like that. But I've still once in a while you'll hear Los Angeles Angels and Anaheim, so it's still floating around there. That, but that's fair. That's, re- fair. that's re- fair. Regardless, you know, as an as an Angels fan, maybe I'll talk to my friend Zach Pickering. Um, you know, he's an Angels fan. We'll see what he thinks about Artie Moreno staying on. But I I think that's a sign of trouble for. Angels fans, Angels, Angels players alike, you know, so. Yep. I, uh, we'll see how it all plays out. I'm also, I mean, the, you kind of just add it to the drama with the, with the A's and the, the AOS kind of has a lot of owner drama, it seems like. So it should be an interesting year for that. Um, and you know what? The, the Mariners aren't, uh, aren't, uh, excluded from that because, you know, that's true. How much drama has John Stanton had in the last few years? So. Very true. Very true. So, um, let me dive into the Mariners notes here. I can kick this off with um, a couple of things here. Um, we had uh, a couple of things that moved around this week that we had. The Mariners picked up Tommy LaStilla. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I would say this kind of surprised me. I think I don't really when we were kind of looking at like um, your kind of I would say our wants and our needs and the things we thought the Mariners were going to fill in this offseason. I don't think we really looked at like a third base, second base option. Um I think we mm-hmm. kind of just thought that Dylan Moore was going to kind of fill that hole. Um but uh I feel like this is a like an incredibly low risk move to get Listella. Um he had um you know a couple of really good years for yes the Angels. Um I guess one one good year in particular. He was always a fairly solid player um you know kind of before that a good utility role player in the infield um but again very low risk move for the mariners and he's coming back from he was he was pretty injured i would say last year um and he's coming from he's coming off of achilles surgery as well um and i think the giants kind of wanted to bring him back that's kind of what i understood from gabe kapler but um you know he decided to move on and um i think it's a good low risk move for the mariners no absolutely and uh you know, I think that just solid, uh, solidifies a little bit the um, left side of the infield. You know, when Suarez needs a break, I think Listella is going to get his shot to be that that um, role player that comes in and, and takes over for Suarez when he needs a day. Um, and then, obviously, this is this is good for, you know, if we get uh, people injured, you know, we got some injury depth. Um, you know, Demo and... And Wong, we hope can can last 162. But if we if they don't, then Lestella can come in and and uh, you know play a little bit of second, a little bit of third, and um, you know even a little bit of first. I think I think he played a little bit of first with the Giants. So um, you know, good good low risk move, and uh, we'll see how it play out plays out. I mean, we're we're signing a lot of these low low risk players, and obviously all of them can't make the team. You know. Um, so we'll see what happens in spring training and, uh, it'll be pretty much last man standing. We'll see who, uh, survives in the pit and makes the opening day roster. 
Yeah, I was going to say, look, it kind of seems like to me the Mariners are locking up. They want guys to maybe stay in like specifically like the outfield or the infield or like maybe they just want Dylan Moore. Like we know that Dylan Moore is going to have a heavy platoon with be a heavy platoon partner with Colton Wong. It sounds like, but mm-hmm. maybe they just kind of keep Dylan Moore at second and short and mm-hmm. you know, they don't try to move him around the outfield a lot. They're going to have Haggerty, Haggerty and Trammell and AJ Pollock and everybody else in the outfield. So I, mean, I think they're trying to maybe just try to isolate guys to, you know, a couple positions rather than maybe having like a Dylan Moore that's going to play like everywhere. So I like it. He- yeah, I, and I think the big thing from this uh, Lestella signing, Lestella, Lestella, whatever, however you say his last name, um, I think just this just means Haggerty is, um, you know, like you said, he's bound to the outfield. We're not going to see him in the infield. Um, someone put up his stats on Reddit, so shout out to whoever did this. Um, I apologize that I don't remember your Reddit name, but uh, I think last year he played, Haggerty played like four games at second in one game at first and like career wise, he's only played nine games at second and one game at third. So I think that just means that he's going to stick to the outfield, probably get a little bit better defensively in the outfield by not having to worry about playing the infield. So um, I think that's our biggest thing. If, if Lestella ends up making this team. So. Yep. Um, let me dive in here. I think we uh, we Mariners also claimed um, JB Bukakis. Um, they picked him up from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, the couple of interesting thing about Bukakis is that um, he's not that long ago was a first round draft pick in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a little interesting, and it's kind of it's kind of curious. I, I mentioned before the show I had some some odd notes for you, but. Um, the Mariners kind of seem to be collecting first round picks this mm-hmm. off season. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, I'll just go down the list. Um, Colton Wong was, uh, was a first round pick in 2011. Uh, AJ Pollock, former first round pick Colin Moran, who they saw, who they claimed a couple of weeks ago, um, first round pick, um, now you got JB Bukakis first round pick. So it's kind of interesting that we're just kind of collecting these guys more or less. Um, mm-hmm. So just kind of an odd note, but uh, JB Bukakis, uh, heavy fastball slider pitcher, um, you know, the cup of tea that a couple of innings that he did get to pitch in 2021. Um, he really struggled to uh, kind of keep the ball. Um, I would say in the ballpark um, guys really hit off him really, really well. Um but uh, I don't know his um, his baseball savant page for what's available there. Um, relatively favorable, um, but you know, with the caveat that he only pitched um, you know twenty one innings or I guess seventeen innings in the major leagues. Um, but uh, fastball slider heavy pitcher um, probably starting Tacoma with a good chance to you know get a call up somewhere in there. Yeah, um, I think there's another signing. Like I said, with the uh, Lastella signing, you know, we got. Uh, you know, we've been claiming a bunch of pitchers, so it's going to be interesting to see who breaks camp, you know, spring training and, and makes the roster. I I don't know enough about him to say, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a shoe-in to make the uh, the Mariners bullpen or whatnot. But, uh, you know, again, it's going to be a, a fun spring training to see these guys battle out and see if, uh, you know, they can, they can make this major league roster. The one thing um, – was it for the Lestella signing or the Bukaka signing? We ended up DN, uh, DFAing uh, Justice Sheffield. I think it was 
little Stella signing, right? It was a little Stella signing. Yes, we DFA yeah. Justice Sheffield. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if you know people remember us talking a few episodes ago that we still need a left-handed pitcher for our bullpen. You know that should be one of our top needs, and we just DFA Justice Sheffield who had a shot to be the left-hander out of the pen. So I'm really interested to see after these two signings where we're going with that. Like, I mean, there's still some names out there. We've still got um, Andrew Chafin, and I think Matt Moore's still out there. we still got guys like that that we can go and sign, but, you know, I, I feel like we aren't making any uh, progress with it, or at least we're not hearing about it. About it so. Yeah, I think there's a chance that we are – I think there's a chance we might just punt on a left-handed reliever um, of some sort. Um, That's got to make you nervous, though, doesn't it? Um, Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I mean, I'm trying to remember – I mean, who was the number one? Was it Tommy? Was it Tommy Malone a left-hander? I'm trying to remember who was the Tommy Malone was a left-hander. I feel mm-hmm. like he was the core one out of the bullpen last year. I guess Ryan Barucki was on there as well. But Ryan um, Barucki at the end, yeah. Ryan Barucki. Tommy Malone spent a lot of time at AAA. But I mean, the guys that you know took up most of the relief pitching innings last year were. Um, Ed Murphy, Andres Menunos, Paul Seawall, Diego Castillo, Matt Festa, Eric Swanson. So like the guys who ate the majority of the, of the innings last year, the bullpen were right handers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Um, we, uh, I don't know, but they kind of really relied on right handers last year. Um, I think it maybe is a little odd that we can't, we don't really know like one that we can point to right now. If we're going to call somebody up to say, Hey, we're going to bring up Gabe Spire. Like maybe we'll bring up Gabe Spire. I don't know. So I think maybe that is a little odd. So maybe we'll do some sort of other smaller deal to, to try one of these guys out. But yes, it is. Uh, it's a little odd that we don't really have one person that we can point to, but um, you know, they also might just kind of roll with the right handers that they have right now. Cause they did a lot of it last year. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll make Robbie Ray a hundred million dollar reliever. And we saw how that played out against the Astros. So I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to sign me up on that one. You're you're right. You're right. Um, you know, I think the biggest Mariners news this week though, you know, we signed Lestella, signed Bukakis and DFA just to Sheffield. But, um, I don't know how exciting this is for you, Bo, but, um, Aaron Goldsmith, um, one of the play-by-play guys for the Mariners was a uh, very heavy favorite for the card, the San, yeah, I can't even talk. The St. Louis Cardinals announced team. And um, it was announced today that he had turned down the cards announced team slot. It ended up going to Chip Carey, who, you know, is the grandson of Harry Carey and, uh, you know, kind of fits the, the family mold of uh, – being on the cards announced team. Um, and Aaron Goldsmith is going to stay with the Mariners and, and root sports. And uh, that makes me happy as a Mariners fan, because I, you know, I can't necessarily watch every game, um, you know, whether it's working or getting places, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm in the mountain time zone where I'm at. So it's kind of harder 
um, to plan around watching the game, you know, cause they are a little bit later at night. And uh, so I listen to a lot of the radio and Aaron Goldsmith is like probably by far uh, my favorite of the couple of play-by-play guys that we have. Um, I think, you know, personal preference, if I wanted, you know, what team I wanted, I would want Goldsmith and Blowers um, as the announced team, um, whether that be on TV or radio or whatnot. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see Aaron Goldsmith stay with the Mariners and, and turn down the cards job. What do you, what are you feeling on that? Yeah, no, I'm super, I'm super happy about it. And, um, it's always exciting. And it seems like, yes, he was a finalist, but he also seems like he just really loves, he called, he calls, he called Seattle his new home and you know, this is where he wants to be, et cetera there. So, um, I was really happy to see that. I kind of feel like Aaron Goldsmith is like, uh, I don't know. So maybe like our version of like a, I don't know, like a Dave Niehaus or something like that. I don't know. I kind of, that's kind of the way I feel about Aaron Goldsmith is like, he's our generations, this kind of, I don't want to say younger, but this like millennial generations kind of Mariner mm-hmm. broadcaster. And that's kind of the way that I've connected to Aaron Goldsmith in a way. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm happy to, I'm happy that he's going to be staying. I'm happy that he loves Seattle and wants to stay here. And um, you know, I think that, um, he's got out some good opportunities with how good this team's going to be in the future to make some great calls. So I'm super happy for it. I think on that note, right. Still, uh, you know, big Dave Sims fan, Rick Riz fan, um, you know, the mm-hmm. whole broadcasting team that we have. Um, and, uh, you know, just to have Aaron there for, you know, the foreseeable future is uh, an exciting element. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't want to downplay Dave Sims, Rick Riz, you know, Mike Bowers to an extent. Um, you know, I think we have one of the better, um, broadcast teams in the league or, or at least at least the underdog factor of it like or underrated not underdog but underrated teams you know any of those guys can come in and, and make the game more enjoyable uh and you know growing up with these guys obviously not aaron goldsmith but with like rick riz and dave sims i don't know for you bo but it kind of makes it harder for me to listen to other games um <clears throat> other broadcast teams and it, it, for me, it's probably just familiarity about it. Like, like they, I don't know, I'm comfortable with listening to them. You know, they, whether it's on the radio or TV, you know, I cannot watch it and still get a feel for what's happening on the, on the ball field, you know? So it's like, um, I, I definitely think we've got a really good broadcast team and Aaron Goldsmith. I mean, you said, you know, Seattle was like his new home. Um, you know, he grew up in St. Louis, like, like, I'm sure that was his dream job. And I, I'm really gra- glad he picked up on it. I, I, I like to feel like he, um, saw a lot of the, uh, the Reddit, um, like post in the Mariners, um, subreddit about how losing him would be a big blow. You know, I, I would like to feel like us fans had a little bit of, uh, sway to him but regardless you know he uh you know i don't i don't know how many of our fans are wrestling fans but um new japan pro wrestling brought in a guy named chris carlson and he he really brings the the historical side he he brings a different aspect and and aaron goldsmith really brings that other aspect you know to to the mariners announced team so yep no i agree and um 
yeah, I'm 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 curious what his future will be, and I'm I'm I imagine it's going to be in the booth, being probably being the the lead broadcaster at Sport Root Sports, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, just another thing, uh, just another thing to look forward to this season. Yep, yep. yep. Well, that's it for uh, Mariners news this week. Um, um, I I guess there is one more note here, Bo. The uh, Zips projections got released. Uh, was there anything that kind of stood out to you? Um, or are we waiting for that to get into, you know, the meat and potatoes of the episode? Yeah. Why don't I try to tie this all together? So, um, you know, today's episode, we're going to be talking about, um, you know, kind of what, you know, if it all goes wrong, I think some of the, the downsides and maybe try to look, um, maybe a little critically at the team and just look at the Mm -hmm. gaps that we might have as, you know, Mariner fans just to be cognizant of, the different things that could go wrong for us this season. So um, on that note, um, the Zips projections this year by Dan Zimborski for the Seattle Mariners came out. Um, It's kind of, there's some good news and bad news in there. Um, I think for the most part, you know, Julio's a stud. Um, Julio's going to be our guy for the foreseeable future. Um, I think one of the notable things that, um, is kind of the first talking point that we might have on this, but I'll, I'll kind of review the rest of the projections here is that it has Eugenio Suarez as more of a kind of average third baseman, more than less, I mean, less than kind of what he was last year. So it kind of that, yeah, average two win player right in that area. Um, but you know, Cal Raleigh has got a solid projection. Ty France has a good projection, which I think is good for, um, the Mariner fans that might've had some second thoughts about Ty Francis last year. Um, I think Teoscar has about an average projection or so, um, average, I would say offensive uh, projection. So, um, I think that's kind of expected a little bit. I think Teoscar's defense may cancel a little bit of that out, which is another point that um, maybe we want to talk about here as we go along. Um, and I think on the pitching side, um, you know, Dan Zimborski on the, on the Zips projection does talk about how um, it, it kind of seems like the Mariners have um, three number twos with George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, and Robert, Robbie Ray. So really like all the pitching that the Mariners have um, and they're really hot. And then I would say that the, the Dan Zaborski's and team really likes um, Bryce Miller. So he, like Bryce Miller got a very favorable projection. So um, that'd be curious to see if that's something that he can meet about a two win player, which, you know, eclipsed um, eclipsed Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen. So, um, uh, so I think there's a lot to like there. I think he does note, like we've been, I feel like lots of Mariner fans ourselves have added is that it kind of still feels like we're missing just, um, you know, another bat. It just feels like we're just missing one more bat here to kind of solidify us as a, you know, a real contender for the AOS to crown there. So those are kind of the key points that, uh, kind of took away from it, but yeah, I mean, guess to tie this all in, um, I think to kick it all off, uh, Eugenio Suarez is, uh, you know, the guy that um, had such a good had such a good season last year. Um, mm-hmm. Was really the surprise of that trade as just how well he turned out. Um, Eugenio has some less than favorable projections, I think, coming into this season. Um, you know, I would say roughly a two win player, right around a three hundred on base percentage. Um, I think he's getting really knocked because of his. Uh, 
because of his 2021 season in which he, you know, hit bare. I think he hit under the Mendoza line. I think he hit 198 that season. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he is getting knocked on that 2021 season pretty heavy, but um, I think that 2021 season is still, um, you know, very notable to call out, right? He was mm-hmm. not as good that season. He was less, he was under a, you know, below average player that year. So, what do you think about what do you think about Eugenio? Do you think the projections are correct in that? Do you think they're you know wrong? What do you what are your feelings on Eugenio coming into twenty twenty three? Well, I certainly hope they're wrong by the time the season ends. Um, but um, you know, it we've hit said it a bunch on this podcast. Um, Suarez was the biggest surprise last year. I thought Winker was going to be the guy when in the trade when we traded for. Uh, Winker and Suarez, but as Suarez, that was a guy um, at the end of the season, you know, one of our first podcasts, both said um, Suarez was probably the unsung hero of the team. Um, if not, you know, the MVP of the team, you know, he had a lot of big hits for the team and, and really, uh, really overshot his, his projections for last year. Um, does it continue? Ugh. I hope so. I hope third base does not become a problem for us. Um, but it, I mean, the way he's projected in 2023 probably is pretty close to what we could get, which is not good. Um, that 2021 season, it's wild that, you know, the 2021 season, he had a very down year and then 2022, he goes to a hitter's ballpark and, uh, has a better season. Like that's just, not how that should work, you know, in, in a sense. So, uh, I, I really hope Suarez has a good 2023, but, um, I think we need to taper our expectations a little bit and start looking at these projections and go, Hey, they, they could be right. Plus he's getting older. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a factor in it as well. So, yeah, those thirty-one-year-olds turning thirty-two are those are those are old old guys. I tell you what. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, uh, anyways, um, in, in athlete in, in an athlete's life, yes, thirty-two-year-old is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think there I think there's legitimate here, um, legitimate concern. Um, mm-hmm. Struck out thirty-one percent of the time in twenty twenty-two. So Eugenio you know, nearly struck out in a third of his plate appearances that we saw last year. Um, however, I guess the, the, the pushback on this would be that he still has a fairly favorable, um, baseball savant page. So he's still hitting the ball very hard. He's still, um, hitting barrels at a decent rate. Um, you know, expected slug percentage expected on weighted on base percentage, still pretty high. So I think that would be the pushback to that. Um, I think it just, uh, he's got to put the ball in play if he continues to kind of have this, yeah, his strikeout rate has nearly gone up every single year he's been in the majors. So if, if that continues, I think that's, you know, we can kind of cause, we can kind of be definitely more concerned about the future of the third base position. But, um, you know, if he, if he can just keep that, you know, swinging strike and strikeout rate to where he was at last year with maybe a little less um, production, I, um, I think there's still a decent chance that he's a productive player this year. But I think there's legitimate concern, I think, as we enter the season. How, how much longer before he becomes his uh, final form of turning into Adam Dunn? Where is it? He, he's a truly a two-outcome player. He either strikes out or hits home run. 
Hmm. Let's let's see. He's thirty one. Going to be thirty two this year. I give him. I give him. He's got to go back to the Reds, probably. So probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably after he's out of the Mariners. So no, no so he's, he's got. He's, he's got to go to the White Sox. White Sox. Okay, fair. <laughs> he's got so to go to the White Sox. I'll give him. I'll give him. I'll give him. I'll give him four or five years. Yeah. <laughs> um. Another. Another one. You know, it's it's good to see in the Zips projections that Ty France is getting a uh, pretty favorable season predicted for him um but with after his injury last season he just didn't seem like himself like actually i would say after the all-star game you know i i think the the all-star game just having to get in you know as an injury replacement um kind of threw him through a loop and then he got injured he kind of wasn't the same um is that predictive of if what's to come for him or do you think he bounces back this year you know i i feel like if if he doesn't bounce back we're in trouble you know because he's probably supposed to be one of our third or fourth most productive hitters this season yeah i think we're i think we're definitely in trouble a little bit um I would say he got fairly unlucky in the second half of the season his his batting average and balls in play was running right about 238 so I feel like he, he had a little bit of bad luck I would say in the second half but um you know also did not get on base at a side clip and I think just really struggled in August and September after he came back from the injury but um you know he's another one that uh the baseball savant page looks relatively decent um but uh yeah i think there's still still some cause for concern and i think especially in um you know september and august um the baseball savant page kind of looks over the season in september and august he still did not have you know as great of um batted ball profile so mm-hmm. um Okay. Yeah. Like you said, he's another one that he needs to like hit for us. He needs to be, I think at this point, um, you could say the the second or the third best hitter in the lineup. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, the injury is certainly a concern and how that plays out for him over the season. I, you know, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of hope that this off season, he kind of worked on getting better, but, um, I think there's a lot of questions. It was why we thought about Luisa rise. It's why, mm-hmm. um, I think there's, it's kind of interesting. I think Tommy Lestella came on. He can be a little bit of a first base depth in, in some situations too. So you wonder if they have some questions there, but yeah, he's another one that he's gotta, he's gotta kind of keep it together and be the kind of guy that we want him to be. If we want to take that next step and he has some favorable projections, which I'm a fan of. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the injury bug and how he was not able to kind of get back to himself is, uh, is cause for alarm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I really want start of the season type France because start of the season type France, well, excuse me, start of 2022 season type France was, um, probably one of the top three first basemen in the AL, if not the whole league. I mean, the, the whole league is pretty flush with first basemen. You know, you got you got Goldschmidt for the cards. Um, you know, you got you got other players, but um, you know, he was definitely up there. And then, you know, he has that injury, and he kind of becomes a non-conversation piece for the rest of the season. So, uh, we need we need start twenty twenty two Ty France to do that, except for the whole season. And you know, we're we're doing what if all the you know if all this goes wrong, what happens? You know. I think on the hitting side of things, 
I think we'd have to have a major collapse hitting wise to um, really see our season go down the tank. Um, I, I feel like if Suarez doesn't have a good 2023, it's in the long run. I think we have the pieces to make up for that. You know, whether that be other players or just different, different positions, you know, of need that will carry this team. And, you know, if, if, Ty France doesn't have a great season. I still think we've got some slack to have, um, you know, you know, to still be able to make the playoffs and, and still, you know, like do somewhat good, maybe not get out of the wild card, but we'll still make the playoffs. Now, if all this happens at once, you know, on the hitting side, Suarez doesn't do it. France doesn't do it. And then we're going to talk about our pitching in a second. Yeah, we're screwed, you know, but it's got to be a combination of these things. For yeah. us to really say, oh, you know, cause for alarm. Right. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the alarms are definitely gonna go off if we have like Suarez and Ty France. Like Ty France get hurts gets hurt. You know, Suarez has some real struggles with the plate. Mm-hmm. Um but that's also, you know, that's that's I guess that doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility, right? I think that's the I think that's the worrisome part is that that doesn't sound like and all a very crazy thing, right? Somebody that, um, somebody that's been injury, that's somebody that's had an injury in the past, and somebody that's getting older, like that just doesn't sound like that's. I guess that doesn't sound like that's too crazy of a thought to happen. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I guess as a Mariners fan, let's let's get into the pitching side because I guess as a Mariners fan, we've dealt with um, our teams not hitting well. Mm. You know, Felix Hernandez won a Cy Young and had like the least run support ever of a Cy Young award winner, you know? Um, but I think on the pitching side is where, you know, if it goes wrong on the pitching side, we're, we're really screwed, you know? And, and it kind of starts with some of our bigger names, you know, Robbie Ray postseason collapse, you know, didn't have a great 2022 yet. You're getting paid to be our number one starter. You know, if he doesn't bounce back, like, there could be some cause for trouble, you know? I mean, we have some depth. We've got Marco and Flex, and we got Bryce Miller. we got Emerson Hancock, you know, but, um, you know, he's got to turn it around in 2023, and if he doesn't, I mean, it's looking bleak for the pitching staff. Yep, and, uh, yeah, Robbie Ray's going to be – He's going to be a curious one to watch throughout the season. I think especially those first couple starts that he has um, mm-hmm. to kind of see what kind of rubby way we're going to get. Um, yeah. His fastball velocity was down a mile or so in 2022, which that's actually not, he's kind of fluttered around 93, 94 for, for most of his career. So I would say like, that's not, that's not overly unique, but I mean, he did bring back the, the sinker last year. Um, so it'll be, serious, it'll be interested to see if he keeps that pitch. Cause I think that might tell us, you know, how confident he is feeling in his other pitches. Right. And his kind of, um, you know, fastball slider combo that's got him as far as it has. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I, I, I hope that the postseason really hasn't, you know, attached a lot of, um, concern in his mind. I think Robbie Ray is still a very solid pitcher for where he's going to slot in the, the one through five there. Um, but, uh, you know, another pitcher that's kind of getting older. Um, and 
you know, we kind of saw it, we could, we saw it fall apart. So you just wonder if it's going to be able to continue or if it is going to continue that way or what he's going to be able to do in the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm a betting man right now, I think Robbie Ray is going to probably perform more like a three or a four, which is maybe like, and I would say, I, I want to say that's a little bit over your average, maybe starting pitcher, but maybe that's not to the level that, yeah, you, know, you obviously, like you said, obviously like where you signed him at, what your expectation was when you got him. So maybe there's that, that, you know, he's not meeting the expectations there. Maybe the expectations are a little too high and he just won't meet that. But um, I still think he's a probably pretty solid, like three, three pitcher. But um, with some of the collapse there that we saw last year, I'll be curious to see what his fastball sits when he comes out. Cause that's going to tell us a lot about, about what kind of pitcher he's going to be. Yeah, and it certainly could be a case where, you know, he added that sinker, what was it, mid-season last season, and, you know, didn't really have a lot of time to work on it, so hopefully he spent the offseason kind of working on that pitch to get it back in the fold, you know, to be his his number two or number three pitch behind the fastball slider. So, um, you know, that, that aspect of it, I guess, should – should be cause for, you know, for us not to worry as much because he's going to have time to work on that, you know. Yeah. But um, let's uh, let me bounce into something else here. I guess on the pitching side, um, I was pulling this up earlier, and the Mariners had five pitchers that threw over 125 innings last year, um, mm-hmm. and only the and only Houston was the other team to do that last year. Um, so, I mean, that just, I think is a sign of, you know, we've, we, we, we boasted about the pitching, um, you know, training and physical training staff, right. When we started the podcast about how well of a job they've done to keep people healthy and, you know, keeping them be able to stretch their arms out every five days and really go at it. Um, I think the question is, is, are we lucky? Have we just been so far, like so far, so good on that, but like, have we, you know, are we, should we, are we a little worried about, you know, George Kirby or Logan Gilbert, the innings that they pitched last year, because, you know, a, an injury to either one of those guys, especially a, a particular injury that happens to a pitcher in their elbow, um, mm-hmm. uh, can really, um, put some dark clouds on this team. Um, so I guess mm-hmm. what kind of concerns do we have around those two guys and, and their arms going into 2023? Uh, I would have a little bit of concern. Um, I, we were very fortunate last year that we didn't hit the injury bug, you know, um, of all the games last season, all but eight were started by basically Ray Gilbert, Marco Flex and Kirby or, or Castillo. So like, you know, (laughs) we got to hope that they stay healthy. They get another year where, you know, maybe they pitch a little bit less, you know, um, you know, we've definitely got a uh, room to have a six starter if we need to pull a six starter out, you know, once in a while, um, just to, to give some people an extra day off. But, um, yeah, I think we've been very fortunate not having injuries to our pitching staff, and I think that could be um, one of our key if it all goes wrong, you know, for this season. If we get bit by the injury bug, we're not going to have a good time. You know, we're, we're going to, it's going to be a tough, tough thing to rebound from. Um, we do have the depth. 
And I, I do think we have a couple people in the minors that could come up and, and be at least stop the absolutions for this season as they can continue to progress. But I, I, I think I'm a little scared going into the season with, with how healthy we've been in the past seasons. Yeah, and uh, I was watching, it was an interview I think Jerry did on um, maybe the MLB Network or somewhere in there, but he was talking about how they kind of slow played Logan into like getting ready for the season last year, kind of just took his spring training a little slow and kind of warmed him up a little bit, you know, as they got closer. Um, He said they are basically going to do that with George Kirby too. Um, So... I hope that kind of helps keep them healthier. Um, I think uh, I, I really hope that keeps them healthier. Um, I mean, one, these guys are, these guys are number twos in my mind, right? George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. And we have a couple of them and it could really be our strength. It's our, when we've talked about the challenges that the offense has, um, you know, they're, they're not a team that hits the ball very hard. They, you know, they're good at, you know, they're good at controlling the zone, but they're, you know, 23rd and hard hit rate, according to Statcast. you know, they're, 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 they have offensive gaps and they have offensive challenges from time to time, which are well-documented. And we all know that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if the pitching, if the pitching goes down, if we have an injury to um, even one of these guys, um, you know, I think it's going to be a challenge to fill them in. And especially if we have, you know, even some minor injuries to a second one, um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a little worrisome. Now I do say, like you said, Bryce Miller, Emerson Hancock, Taylor Dollard, all these guys are at the top of, you know, all these guys are top ranked prospects. So I think we've got some hope there on the horizon with some of those guys. But, um, I also, again, another concern might be that where I'm going with this is that we've, we've hit on Logan Gilbert so far. We've he seemed to have hit on George Kirby. We've done pretty well with these pitchers for a little while. Are we going to continue to hit on some of these younger starting pitchers? I, uh, I hope so, but, um, I just, uh, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're going to get that lucky for that long, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've been very fortunate to have that, that depth for pitcher, you know, with, with all those guys coming up and, and being who they projected to be. So I think it's a little cause for concern because I don't know how sustainable it is. Um, but, um, that's still, you know, if we have a few injuries here and there, I, I still that don't think that, you know, is a make or break thing for the Mariners. Um, I think they have talent other places that they can, you know, fill in. I think my biggest cause, you know, sticking with the pitchers, I think my biggest cause for concern, if it happens, has to come in the bullpen. You know, we talk about not having a lefty and maybe that meet, might be a little of it for my worry, but, um, you know, you, you talk about all these young guys coming up and and being what they're projected to be. You know, our bullpen are guys that are full of reclamation projects. You know, I how sustainable is that for the future? You know, Paul Seawall, you know, a couple of years ago comes in, has a really good season. Last year, his ERA kind of comes up, and, and especially in the ninth inning, had a 3.38 ERA in the ninth. Um, you know, like how long do we ride that before, you know, he gets DFA'd or, or cut or whatever. I mean, we saw it last year with Drew Steckenrider who had a, a pretty good 2021, 2022 gets to May and, and gets DFA'd, you know, it, 
I I think our make or break for this season is the bullpen because if we don't have a bullpen, you know, we're going to lose a substantial amount of games from our bullpen, you know, blowing games. Yeah, and uh you know, we I think a good call we we traded Eric Swanson. We just got rid of Eric Swanson. He was a big piece of that bullpen last year. Um, I think, uh, we do have Matt Brash, who I think is actually, I I think it's becoming more and more clear that he's going to be a relief pitcher rather than trying to start him out in the bull, starting trying to start him out in the starting rotation. We still have Andres Menunos. So I think that that's, uh, I think Andres Menunos is our lockdown guy. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, we do, we have a lot of reclamation projects and I think that's kind of what Jerry, I feel like that's the method that Jerry wants to go about these pitchers at this point that's what it seems like to me is that he kind of just calls up guys and is hoping that the kind of strikes gold on them and i feel like that's kind of his method that he's decided that he's going to try to build bullpens um mm-hmm. now the the great concern with that is we could be 2019 all over again where we have um a pretty bad bullpen with guys that um we're just kind of really not sure about with guys like matt mcgill um you know, Ronis Elias, Daniel Tavilla. I mean, so 2019 was a bad year for the bullpen and we kind of had the same story with them, right? It was just a bunch of guys that we kind of picked up on claims and waivers and pulled up from AAA and hope for the best and it didn't work out for us. So mm-hmm. we, we hope that we've found something with the bullpen now, but this is uh this is another element of baseball. I feel like there's a lot of luck involved here and we've mm-hmm. been pretty lucky the last two years with our bullpen and um you wonder if that's gonna you wonder if that's gonna burst i feel like we've got some good guys we've got some really good pitchers there honest menunos i still mm-hmm. feel like paul seawald has some good stuff in the tank um mm. but after that um you know it's not it's pretty easy to think about diego castillo um you know blowing up and you know kind of just maybe being dfa in the middle of the season it's not hard to imagine that it's, um mm-hmm. pen murphy getting a call down to triple a or um, heck even Matt Festa, right. It's not hard to believe that these guys just may not have it this year. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So that is a, that is a concern. I feel like we have a couple of good guys there, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys where you could see it maybe going an entirely different way with them this year. Mm-hmm. And for how volatile relievers are, you know, we talk about it. We talked about when Edwin Diaz, um, got signed and, and, you know, the, the lifespan of a reliever is, like significantly shorter than a lot of other positions. You know, a lot of starting pitchers come up and you'll see these starting pitchers throw 10, 12, 15 years. That's not the lifespan of a reliever, you know, and whether that's because of injuries or just, you know, natural um, regression, you know, in, in said skills, it's just, you know, it, it, it's definitely a cause for concern on the Mariners because, Again, luck has been heavily involved the last two years, you know, being one of the better bullpens in the AL, you know, and it it wouldn't surprise me if we regressed next season to be middle of the road, you know, when it comes to AL bullpens. And that's that can make or break this team more, more so than I think anything. I think we've got the depth at starting pitcher to be fine. I think we have enough offense to get by. You know, Suarez and France both, you know, kind of tank, then we could be in for some problems. 
maybe we end up making a deal at the trade deadline. But, you know, we we regress in the bullpen. We're going to, you know, if we regress in the bullpen to take away from South Park, that, you know, we're, we're French frying instead of pizza in, and that's just going to be a bad time. That's good. That's a good way to put it. Good way to put it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's going to be uh, the bullpen. will be curious to see. I like, I mean, we've, they have a lot of pieces. We have a lot of guys that we can cycle through Casey Sadler, uh, Gabe Spire, Justin Topa, Trevor got. So they're going to cycle probably through a lot of these guys just for those reasons that we're describing there. It's just that pitching is volatile, especially when it's coming out of the bullpen. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's volatile. So all these guys could be could be bust as well. That's the that's the worrisome part there. Yep, yep, yep. It could if I guess we're trying to say if it if it goes to crap and it's all worse, it means all those guys didn't hit this season, and and we're left with Munoz and Seawald and no one else. Yep, yep, hundred percent. Yep. Um, I'll, uh, I guess my question to you, Bo, you know, as, as, um, we continue on here, um, there's a lot of teams that, uh, got better this season. We've got the Rangers making moves to be better. We've got the angels making moves to be better twins, you know, with their deal for Pablo Lopez, the white Sox, eh, you could say they got better. I say they're still kind of middle of the road and then the guardians becoming better. Um, I mean, how worried should we be with all these teams getting better? You know, and it, it doesn't look at least on paper, like we got better through our off season transactions. How worried should we be about that? Um, yeah, this one kind of feels like if it all goes wrong for us, but it goes right for the other teams. Um, uh, I think we should be pretty concerned about it. Um, maybe a little less concerned about the Rangers and the angels, just because we're not going to play as many games against them, um, mm-hmm. as we did last year. So maybe a little less concerned about them, but you know, so much of that's going to depend on how they play against other teams. Right. Um, but, uh, I think certainly it kind of feels like to me, the AL is taking a little bit of a step forward and the NL is probably taking I think more of a step backwards. I feel like there's more teams at the bottom for the NL than there are the AL. And I think just, mm-hmm. just because of that, um, and with a more balanced schedule, um, you know, you're going to kind of weed out some of these teams that, you know, lose two out of three to the reds or lose two out of three to the nationals. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so that is a little bit of cause for concern in my mind is that, um, you know, the competition for, uh, what I see are like the two last, the two wild card spots. Uh, I guess the three wild card spots in the AL is going to be pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, I think it's going to be pretty heavy. I think some of these teams are have pretty wide ranges of their expected outcomes, so mm-hmm. you very well could have, you know, the Rangers have a pretty high range. The Rangers could go, um, they could get up to maybe even you know upper eighties wins somewhere in there. Um, but they could also, you know, end up in the 70s somewhere. Um, but those upper ranges make me pretty concerned. Just the fact that um, the Rangers, uh, they're kind of probably going through an episode if it all goes right on their side of things of like, yep. if the pitching holds up for the Rangers, then it's going to be a pretty good season for them, which, you know, it's it's 
I think we've all kind of thought that maybe that's not going to happen just because of the players that are there, but um, it very well could. So just those facts alone and that there's just, it's not also the Rangers, it's the White Sox, it's the Twins, it's the Angels, it's the Guardians. Um, that's pretty concerning just because it's, uh, um, you know, more chances and taking less, you know, taking more opportunities away from us in that sense. So that is concerning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we can, we're, we're doing, what if it goes wrong for the Mariners? We could do a whole four or five weeks on if it goes all wrong for the Rangers. If their pitching doesn't hold up, they're going to be in for a bad time. We can do, what if it goes wrong for the Angels? What if all the hitters they just, you know, signed um, regress and aren't doing anything? Or what if their pitchers don't pan out? The Twins, what if Buxton gets hurt for a significant amount of time? Or Correa gets hurt for a significant amount of time? You know, the Guardians, what if that youth doesn't progress like they did last season? I mean, we could do it for every single team, you know, and and so like, I, I guess our worry should be a little bit less, you know, and we've, we've far exceeded, excuse me, we've far exceeded expectations these last two years as Mariners. We've, we've grown, we've, uh, we've, we've been kind of the, the team that's like, oh, we won't do anything. And then, you know, we're battling for playoffs or making the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to be that optimistic Mariners fan and say, oh, we're going to win 90 games and, we shouldn't be concerned because, you know, in, in Jerry DePoto, we trust, but you know, there's, there's just a lot of questions that, you know, we can't answer right now. We won't know until mid season when some of these players don't make the roster or they get hurt or they just don't pan out. We, we don't know. We, we can look in our crystal ball all we want and we just, we don't know. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. I think we'll, we might have some indication in those first couple of weeks of the season of just what kind of team we're going to be. Um, but uh, it's I difficult. Say a couple it, weeks though. I wouldn't say a couple weeks. It took us till May to, to be that team when we were last year. I say a couple months. That's true. I, I think we are a more evolved form of our team now. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, Oh, okay. Julio is, you know, Julio is now, you know, this star established player. We didn't really, we assumed that was going to happen, but maybe we didn't really, we didn't really have that at the beginning of the last season. We just kind of like, oh, he'll you know, be there and see what happens. Cal Raleigh is kind of a full of form of all form of him now. So like, I feel like this team is who they are. And I think we're going to have a pretty good insight to who this team is in the first couple of weeks, you know, barring some sort of injuries that happened before or after that. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's uh, we're just going to kind of see and I think spring training is we're going to do a whole spring training, you know, I think episode and coverage there, but there'll be some really important things to see there. And, you know, that's also a time where some injuries that may have people have sustained over the season may pop up as well. So we'll just kind of keep an eye on that. But um yeah, I think, you know, coupled with the upsides that we see with this team, I think it's just important to kind of talk and I think review like we did of just the the things that could go wrong. And, um, you know, we hope that we don't go wrong, but I think once we do, we'll be more prepared for, for the worst when it does come. I, You know what, but I, I certainly think we do this every season, at least before we had the podcast, we did this t- to each other. Where, you know, we'd meet up, you know, last February before we had the podcast, 
I came over and we were going to that wrestling event. That's one of the things we talked about was, you know, we've got the pieces there, but what if, what if this happens? You know, I was always kind of quizzing you, you know, when we were together, uh, what if Robbie Ray doesn't pan out? Oh, you know, this, you know, what if, what if so-and-so, you know? So I, I feel like we've done this before and, and, you know, we like to, we like to be the doomsday guy, you know, when we're asking each other these questions, you know, like, what if this happens, you know, then we'll be screwed, you know, but um, yeah, I, I certainly think we need to, you know, taper our expectations in certain areas, but I think we should be definitely excited for what 2023 is going to bring, because I, I do think we are a better team this season. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to tap into my Doomer brain, we can have a Doomer episode and I can just go go pure dark at whenever you want, Ricky. But uh, I, I feel like if we did that, we'd have to do a video podcast and you'd have to dress up like Charlie Kelly mm. and, and have the blackboard with all the pens and strings, you know, and your, your chain smoking cigarettes. And I think mm. that would have to happen. I think that's I think that's fine. Connecting the dots and the different scenarios that sounds that sounds like too much fun. Now, um, uh, you know, in my brain, I see that, but then all I think about is you dressing up like Will Ferrell, you know, in a in a cut off midriff shirt. So maybe mm, that maybe that could work too. Maybe that could work. Maybe we'll maybe we'll, maybe that's a future yeah a future video episode. I like that a lot. That could be uh could be a one night show only. So, anyways, <laughs> no um. Uh, no, it's good talk. It's a good discussion. And, um, uh, you know, I just, um, I think we're, we're 32 days away from spring training right now through spring training games. That is, um, you know, less than a month away from, uh, from, uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. So just can't, can't quite wait for it to all get started. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been seeing videos of, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers throwing, you know, at different private events and, you know, the, the best sound in baseball is a fastball getting caught by the catcher. The smack of the glove. It just, it just brings back memories, you know? So, yeah. well, Bo, you know, that's, that's what we got for the show this, this week. Uh, do you got anything else to enlighten our, uh, our listeners to before we get out of here? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not this week. So nothing, nothing interesting. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. No, no, no trivia question. No yeah. trivia question. What? No, tri- no trivia question. We're, we're going to time the trivia questions in the future going forward. I promise. So no trivia this week. We're going to plan it out a little better. Yep. I, I'm disappointed, Bo. I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Yep. <laughs> I wanted to fail again. I wanted to feel the, the failure. So, mm. <laughs> don't worry there'll be more in the future more chances for you to fail so don't worry about that Good. No. I, that's that's what i like to hear so mm-hmm. well for all our listeners in the puget sound pacific pacific northwest and beyond i want to thank you for taking your time to listen to another edition of the forks down podcast um come back next week and we'll probably be talking about something just as good if not better you know maybe we'll be a little less doom and gloom next week so For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week on the Forkstown Podcast.